Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. We just want you to know that wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, you are loved, and you are accepted. I hope that as you listen to our podcast, you are moved and inspired to grow closer in your faith with God. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Thrive Church. We're glad that you are here this morning. My, we have a hearty bunch that are out this morning. Uh, on this cold winter morning. Give yourselves a hand for being here this morning. It's a great crowd. And I want to welcome all those who are watching online in the 715 area code, and we hope that you are staying safe and warm uh, in your home today. We're just so glad that you're here today. Can I just give a, a talk to my, my, my brothers out there, the guys out there who have significant ones in your life? Ladies, just ignore what I'm about to say. Just, just look at your phone, get on Facebook here for just a second here. Guys, can I help out? Next Sunday is a very significant day. It's Valentine's Day. Just, just wanted to put that on your calendar to help you out, just in case it wasn't, but just to help you out. And the lady said, thank you. Thank you very much for, for reminding you. Uh, anyhow, next week I, we start a new sermon series called Love the Verb, and I'm excited about this because we, we hear so many definitions about what love is, but in the next few weeks we're going to be talking about what God says love is. So I want to encourage you to come out uh, for that sermon series, and, and we are wrapping up our forward sermon series. I hope that God has been speaking to you in the past few weeks about moving forward, because that's a direction that we're going into, Right. We are moving forward. Is there any other people who are run, moving forward with me uh, in this new year? Because 2020, that was something we just as soon just leave behind. <laughs> We're going to move forward from that. And maybe there's been some things that have happened in your life that you just as soon move forward in. And so that's what we have been talking in, in this sermon series about. Uh, and, and so we've even declared that 2021 is a year of moving forward. So to help remind you, to help remind you to keep on moving forward, we have a gift for each and every one of you that are here today. Please, as you leave today, we, you can't hardly see this with my, my watch on, but we have a wristband here, just one of those uh, reminder wristbands, and that's a gift for each and every one of you, and it says 2021 forward, and then it has a scripture verse uh, to remind us. So that's a gift for you, and hopefully that encourages you. Sometimes I need to have those reminders as well. So we have been focusing on the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, 13 through 15 from the English Standard Version. And, and Paul, we, we don't know exactly what his story was, what, he, what he's going through, but he, he came to this point where he says, you know what, this one thing I do, I'm going to move forward. I, I'm going to Forget those things that have happened in my past, my murdering ways, the ways that I, 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 I sinned against God, those regrets that I have. I'm, I'm not going to live there anymore, and I'm going to strain forward. Everybody say forward, because that's the direction that we're going into. I'm, I'm straining forward to what is ahead, because God has a plan and a purpose and potential for my life. And he says, so I press on towards that. I'm going after it. I'm not going to be held back any longer for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says, let all those who are mature thinkers, those who are growth-minded, those people who are tired of being stuck in the past, let these people, let them think, let them have forward thinking. Let them have forward thinking. I hope you have forward thinking this morning as we move into this message here. So we know this, that the Apostle Paul, he made a decision, because moving forward is about a decision that we make. It's about a decision of moving past our past into our purpose and, and into His plan that God has created us for. And not only moving forward, but Paul's life was dramatically changed because he made that decision. And not only was his life changed, but we're reading from his word today. In fact, all around this country, all around the world, Scripture is being read. The words of Paul that he wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we know that when we move forward, it impacts those around us. So we've defined forward as this, moving out of one location, and I'm moving into the direction, into a place I haven't been before. And we've talked about this. There's three things that we need to move forward from. 
We've talked about moving forward from our past, the pain of our past. We've talked about moving out of the regrets that we've made. And we've talked about moving towards, uh, moving out of unforgiveness and, and into uh, reconciliation with ourselves and with others. And so uh, I want to prepare you today because this was probably going to be the most challenging message I'm going to give to you on this subject because I'm going to talk about the subject. Are you, brace yourselves for this. I want to talk about the subject of change. Change, yeah. And if you could, if you could stand up here and see some of your faces right now, you have kind of cringed, kind of like this. This is kind of what some of your faces look like right now. When, when, I, when I say the word cringe, this is what your face looks like. Yeah, right, just like that. Yeah, because change is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to process, and that's kind of the, the typical expression. Well, Merriam-Webster defines change as to make different, to make different. Now, the truth about change is, number one, it's inevitable. You can't avoid it. As much as we like to try to, the world is constantly changing. Every day, there are changes taking place that we cannot control. In fact, the earth is constantly moving. It's constantly changing. So, Herculetus said, oh, by the way, I'm going I'm to give you a lot of quotes on change because there is so much on this topic. We could spend a whole year talking about change. But Herculetus said that change is the only constant in life. Second of all, change is necessary. Gerald Sheehy said this, If we don't change, we don't grow. And if we don't grow, we aren't really living. Parents, how many parents out there? Parents, we have, just as your parents had an expectation of you, you have an expectation of your children to mature and to grow. In fact, we want them to mature and to grow into their potential because we look at them. We're parents, and we look at them like, oh, they have so much potential for their lives, and it's so rewarding when we see them mature and grow in that direction, right? We love to see that. Well, that's the same with God. Our Heavenly Father looks at you and says, listen, I'm telling you, don't stay there. Don't stay stuck. I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you all that you need to mature and to grow into all the potential that I have in store for your life. But here's the deal. Growth takes change. Here's the, other, the third thought. Grow, our change is challenging. How many of you have discovered that? It is a challenge to grow. And it's often, here's, here's why it's so challenging. It's humbling. It is different and it's uncomfortable. We were talking about this in our men's life group, a couple of my friends out there who are in our life group. We were talking about, we were talking about our hurts, some of the hurts that we've had in our lives. And we discovered this, and we kind of, kind of heard a similar story. We'd share kind of a difficult season that happened in our life. But I loved it how they switched and said, but I learned from that moment, and I grew from that moment. And it was kind of a turning point. As difficult as it was, as challenging as it was, it was a defining moment that I needed in my life. But here's the problem. Because change is so challenging, because it's so hard, sometimes people fight change. They fight it. And, and here's why. Here's what I've discovered. I've discovered kind of through this whole little apparatus I got going on here, this is going on, this is five weeks, I have about another week and a half of this little pocket pillow here, but here's what I, I've noticed, that it's messed with my pride, because I've, I've, sometimes I have to admit I can't do everything myself, and I have to ask other people to help me. I've had to learn to trust, you know, and, and sometimes change calls for us to trust where, where we didn't trust before in the past. Another thing I've learned from this experience is if I have had to learn to give up control, that I cannot control everything around me. And here, here's the last thing I've learned, the change is a lot of work. It takes extra work. You see, what happens in life, and maybe this has happened to you, sometimes we put life on autopilot. You know what I mean by autopilot. It's kind of what pilots do once they get to a certain altitude. They turn on this little switch, and the plane begins to, to fly itself. And, it, and we get kind of used to it, 
you know, we just get to this certain place, we get to work, and then all of a sudden the day just kind of takes care of itself. But when change comes, when, 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 it, when we have those, those little bumps in the, in the wind, all of a sudden we might need to change. We might, might need to make some adjustments. And then we have to work and we have to think differently. We have to act differently, respond differently. <laughs> kind of a funny story. So uh, a few years ago, I really sensed, well, even for a while, I had sensed that, that God was calling me to go back to school, go online, and pursue my master's degree, okay? So I, I just, ah, man, and finally I decided to do it. I decided to do it. Uh, but here, here's kind of where the change took place. So my first paper that I turned in, the first paper, I was so proud of myself because, you know, it wasn't that bad, and I just seemed to be able to write this out, and, you know, it kind of, I was using all my sermon techniques. You know, I write sermons just about every week, and, you know, I just, yeah, yeah, just kind of take a sermon and just kind of butter it up a little bit and then turn it in. Got a response email. Mind you, this is my first paper. You write a lot of papers for your master's degree. The, the professor responded back to me in an email and said, this paper is unacceptable. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so I, I set up a conversation with the professor, and uh, he said, I'm not sure what you do for a living, but I think that you're probably some kind of a communicator. Because a lot of times communicators have a hard time writing their thoughts down on paper. And he says, you... If you're going to succeed in this program, you are going to have to change. You are going to have to learn to, to stop writing like a communicator, and you are going to have to start writing like a graduate student. And that was hard, and it was humbling, and it was challenging, but it was necessary, and I was pursuing something that I felt strongly that God is calling me to do. And sometimes God calls us to do things that require change. And here's what I've noticed about change. Change is hard, but change is good. Just look at your neighbor right now and just say, change is hard, isn't it? Change is hard, but, but it, trust me, it's good. It's good. So in the Bible, God is all about change. In fact, God is all about this thing, what I call life change. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the New Living Translation, the Apostle Paul tells us that change is necessary if we are going to experience new life in Christ. He says, he says this, that anyone, if you're, you're out there today and you're, you're watching online, I, I want you to know that if there's anyone who would come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that what happens is you become a new person. Change. Change will take place in your life. God places His Holy Spirit inside of you, and He begins that, He's a great change agent, and He begins to change the way you think, the way you act, the, the person that you are. He's the great change agent. In fact, He says what happens is your old life is gone, it's changed. And you become a new person. The new life has begun. How many of you are glad that God has changed your life? How many of you, God is still at work changing your life? He's the great change agent. I just want to put this message on pause here. I'm going to give you a couple ideas, practical ideas from, from this message today. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is the great change agent. And you can read all, I mean, you go to the, the bookstore and there are tons of self-help books on how to change and that's all that great and that, that's wonderful. But I'm telling you, he has given us a self-help book and it's called the Bible. And you see stories after stories in the Bible about life change. And you see stories after stories about when people surrender their lives to Jesus that the Holy Spirit begins to change your life. There is no greater change agent than the Holy Spirit. And let's all admit it in this room, we're not good at changing ourselves. But if we will take steps forward to Him, and if we will surrender our lives to Him, we will see incredible change take place. Let me continue on here. So we have been talking about, in this series, the life of Moses. We've been talking about Moses is moving forward. 
in this mission that God has given to him. He's moving forward into the potential, the plans that God has in store for his life. And we've talked about how he moved forward from his past. If you remember, Moses was a murderer. That's one of the most serious crimes a person can commit. But he had to move, in order to move forward into his potential, he had to move out of his past. He needed to move forward into his purpose. Remember when God called Moses to this mission. And God has called each and every one of us to pursue the same mission of life change. He had to move forward in his faith. Remember, if you read his stories time after time, Moses runs into situations he can't fix himself and he has to trust God. And that's what we have to learn to do in our faith journey. There's going to be seasons where we have to trust God. And then we learned last week that Moses needed to learn to move forward together. And I, I want to encourage you, don't do faith alone. Get into a life group. Learn to grow together with other people. And today, I want to talk about moving forward through change. Exodus 18, 13 through 26. I'll paraphrase this for you. So there is Moses, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. Isn't that a perfect name for a father-in-law? What do you think, Ben? My, my son-in-law is here today. Jethro, that's a perfect name for a father-in-law. He comes to visit. He comes to town and visits. And Moses is so excited, and he's like, oh, my goodness, father-in-law, you, man, you should see what has happened, what God has done in us and through us. And Jethro is just so impressed. This is so exciting, and they have uh, an evening of celebration, and it is great. And Jethro said, hey, tomorrow, would you mind if I go to work and or go to your work and just watch and see what you do? Yeah, come on along, pops. That would be great. So they go to work the next day. Moses sits down on his chair, and it, one of his jobs, his responsibility as the leader is to be the judge of all of these people. Now, it's estimated that there was over 600,000 men in this, in the, in, in, with all these Israelites. Well, that's just the men. That's not including the, the, the women and the children. So we're just talking about a plethora of people, and he is the only judge. And so you can just imagine there's a gigantic line of people who have all these domestic disputes and all these challenges, and he's the only judge. And he's sitting there, and, and, you, and you could just tell maybe Jethro's seen as like, maybe that's not his sweet spot. Maybe that's not his thing. And so he points out to Moses, hey, Moses, maybe at lunchtime, say, hey, can I just tell you something? What you're doing is not good. This is not good. And you know what? I, I think Jethro realized it, and I think both Moses already knew it as well. He says, he told him, he says, your current system is wearing you out. And you know what it's actually doing? It's not only wearing you out, but it's causing these people to no longer move forward into potential that God has in store for their lives. It was holding them back. Now, you've heard of this definition of insanity. We know what insanity is. It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That's kind of what Moses was doing. And things were not changing. And the only way that Moses and the Israelites were going to move forward was that Moses was going to have to change. And maybe the only, the only thing that, that's holding you back from moving forward in your life, what God has called you to be, is that you're going to have to change. Here's what I think the major challenge to change is, is, is where to start. Where do you start? How do you, how do you start? I, I just want to point out just three things that I see from this story. Again, go to God. But here, here's three things that I see that help us with change. The first step is we're going to have to accept the reality. We have to accept the reality. The reality is there's a problem. We have to accept that the reality is that there's a problem that needs to change, and we have to own it if we're going to move forward. Let me say that one more time. We have to accept the reality that there's a problem, and we have to change in order to move forward. Mandy Hale says this, that change is painful. And everybody said, amen. It's painful, but nothing is as painful as staying stuck somewhere we don't belong. So we have to ask ourselves, which is worse? This place that I'm stuck in are just the act of change. <laughs> and so I think it must have been really painful. <laughs> I think it must have been painful 
for Moses to humble himself and sit there and listen to this advice from his father-in-law, for him to speak into his life. But I, I want you to know, I, I, I'm grateful for the people who have poured into my life, that I realize they love me, and that's the reason why they're speaking into my life. And so he said this, he says, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here, Moses? Why are you trying to do all of this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? So these are great reality check questions. Have you ever had somebody who speaks into your life, that somebody that you respect, a mentor or, 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 or a boss or a parent who speaks into your life and asks you these types of questions? What are you trying to accomplish? Or maybe, maybe we need to ask ourselves these questions. What am I trying to accomplish here? And, and why, why are we doing it this way? Why am I doing this? What is the purpose? Sometimes I think we have to answer the why question to move forward. When was the last time you had a self-examination time with God and you said, God, what, what is it? Why am I doing this anyhow? Why have you called me to do this? So Jethro tells Moses the reality of the situation. Verses 17 and 18, he says, and again, this is humbling. It's hard to hear these words, but it's what you're doing. Listen, Moses, what God has done in and through you, how you got here, man, that's great. Thumbs up. But what you're currently doing, it is not good. Moses' father-in-law explained, he says, you're going, to ha- you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. And this job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. It's not good. You're holding everybody up. And, and listen, Moses, it's hurting you. And if it's hurting you, it's probably hurting your family life, right? Because that's what happens. It trickles down into our family. It happens, it, it, it trickles down into the relationships that are closest to us. Then it had, trickles down into our marriage, affects our work. And, and maybe the thing that, that is holding you back, the thing that, that is not good in your life, it has an, a direct effect on your business, why you're not succeeding and why you're not moving forward. Moses struggle was causing the people to struggle as well. And he had to own it. The temptation in these times then, when we reconcile, when we we have the reality check, the temptation is to reject the change. No. I I know, I know, I know, I know, but I'm not going to do anything about it. You know, I've been a pastor for several years, and, and half of that time I was a youth pastor and worked with some churches that, in my opinion, we're rejecting change. And here's what happens. I'll just use a, a church as an illustration of rejecting change. First of all, when, it, when a church rejects change, it becomes stagnant. You know what stagnant is? How many of you, anybody, you, you've seen those farms and, and it got a pond next to that farm. And, and somebody says, hey, let's go swimming in the pond. And you're like, yuck. I mean, it just, how many of you, you've seen a, a, a pond that's just yuck? It's just junk. Well, it, it's that way because there's no inflow and there's no outflow. And when there's no movement, when there's no change, it turns into yuck. And that's just what it means when it's stagnant. And if we're not careful and we reject change, we can become stagnant. I've been part of churches that become stagnant. I literally was a part of a church when it was just literally dying off. Literally, people were just dying, and there was no movement inward. It was just outward. Everybody was leaving. And then what happens then when a church becomes, when rejects change, it misses opportunities because the church's focus is so focused on staying, on playing it safe and staying the same that opportunities are just too risky. We can't take any of those risky opportunities so they stay the same. And when that happens, a church becomes irrelevant. And what I mean by relevant means like how, 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 can I apply, how can I apply the Word of God to people's lives? How can I be relevant to today's culture? But what happens when a church says in 1990, says, 
this is how we do church, and we're never going to change from how we do church from 1990. Well, guess what happens? Then 2000 comes, 2010 comes, and then 2020, but you're still trying to do church from 1990. It doesn't work. That's a fast way for a church to become irrelevant. A church needs to change with its culture. When a church becomes irrelevant, we hurt ourselves and we hurt our community because we're no longer focused on, on the work that God has called us in a changing community. We're still focused. We're still so focused on not changing. And then there's slow progress. Everything is a snail's pace. And then what I think is ultimately the issue is we have become disobedient. Disobedient because, because we are so stuck on not changing we're missing out on what God has called us to do. Can you, can you re- resonate with this in your own personal life? So I ask you this morning, how about you? What reality are you ignoring that is keeping you from moving forward? Is it an unhealthy fear that you're wrestling with? Is it an unhealthy habit or an addiction that is keeping you stuck? keeping you from moving forward? Is there an unhealthy attitude? Is there an unhealthy relationship? Is there unhealthy uh, that you you, you don't have forgiveness, that you're just not willing to forgive somebody or ask for forgiveness? Let me ask you this question. If Jethro were to come into your life and have access to your life and just give give him a day, and he points out that thing in your life, what you're doing is not good, what would it be? Well, here's, here's the deal. The chances are the Holy Spirit has already been doing that in your life. Chances are you already know the answer to that question. Understand, nothing in your life changes until you are honest with yourself and you accept the reality. Second step is we need to own the challenge. Own the challenge. Nathaniel Brandon says this, the first step towards change is awareness. The second step is acceptance. We can't, in other words, we can't live in denial. To own the challenge, this is what it means to own the challenge. And it means that we are going to accept the problem and we're going to commit to change. I'm going to take responsibility for this problem that I'm having, this, this thing that is in the way, and I'm going to commit to change. So Jethro, he does more than point out the problem. He offers some solutions. And can I just... I love this. You know, I've been a lead pastor here for a while. I love it when people come to me and are honest and say, Pastor, I I see this problem in the church. Here's something that I see that maybe we could change. And and they offer a solution. How many of you, you, you're a boss or manager in your work, and somebody comes to you with a complaint, but they also come to you with a solution. I, I just love that. And that's what Jethro does here. He offers a solution. He says this in verse 19. He says, now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. So he he, he was saying, Moses, what you're doing, you're doing too much. And his big change was to learn to delegate his task to others who were just as capable. So here's some of the advice that he gave him. I'll paraphrase it. He says, first of all, Moses, teach the people. Teach them. Teach them how to, how to serve God, how to follow God. Teach them right living. Second of all, choose healthy leaders. Find those leaders who are in these tribes and find these healthy leaders and then delegate them. Empower them to do the things that you're doing. And then you can step back and you can be Moses. You can be the leader, the person that God has called you to be. So Jethro points out to Moses that if he owns this change challenge, it will have a direct effect on the forward motion of the Israelite nation. Look at this, verse 23. He says, if you follow, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Do you see those first words? If only. This morning, I want to ask you, we're talking about change here. What is the if only in your life? What is, what, what is the if, if only? Maybe what is the if only you find yourself asking yourself? If, if only I start eating right. 
and start exercising. If only, if only I, would, I, I would start setting up a budget and following through with it. If only I, 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 just, I could do that. If, if only I would just forgive that person and just let it go, not live in there anymore. Or wh- if only I would just go to that person and just ask for their forgiveness. If only I would just stop trying to do faith on my own and get into a life group and just have people help me. What if I was just to ask for help? If, if only I would just reach out and get some counseling, get some encouragement from this hurt that I'm struggling with. Because here's, here's what's happening. If you're not careful, your what if will become your biggest obstacle to moving forward. We continue. I'm almost done here. Steps to change. Accept the reality. Own the challenge. Here's the most important one, and this, this is the most important one. Take the steps. It's kind of like the Nike slogan, just do it. You see, here, here's the reality. Real change happens when action steps are taken. We all know that. That's, that's just common sense. We know that. Real change happens when action steps are taken. Roy Bennett says this, it's only after you've stepped outside your comfort zone that you begin to change, grow, and transform. Every significant milestone in my life called for me to step out of my comfort zone. I remember growing up maybe in a community like this, driving some 800 miles across the country, to go to North Central University in downtown Minneapolis. Man, that was a big change. And then I, I met this girl who I was going to school with, and she asked me to marry her. <laughs> Just wouldn't leave it alone. So I'm like, all right, let's get married. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> Maybe I changed the story a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> and then we changed and got into ministry, and then another significant change, we had kids. That was a change. Then we transitioned in ministry, changes all along, and I look back, and I don't regret one of them, but they were changes, and had I stayed stuck, would have missed out on all those things that God had called me to moving forward. The first step out of your comfort zone is always humility. Verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestion. That's not always easy, is it? It takes humility. We hear God's voice, and like, but it's the follow-through that God is calling for. And throughout this entire process, Moses had to humble himself to listen and learn from the wise counsel that was coming from him. (laughs) That's wisdom. Foolishness is to know the wisdom that's given to you and to ignore it. That's really, that's literally the definition of foolishness. So Moses listened to his father-in-law, and he followed his his steps, the action steps that he, that he, he took him to. He taught the people right living. He appointed capable leaders, and then he stuck with it day after day. He didn't change his mind. He followed through. I love this, what Tony Robbins says, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. How many of you have heard of that before? Change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Real change happens in the follow-through. Can I just give you a couple, a couple follow-through steps? First of all, I would tell you, ask God for his advice. If you're looking, you're here today, and you know change needs to take place, ask God for his advice. Go to God, and you ask him. You know, there's all these other voices that are chiming in out there, but ask God, God, I'm going to, you just be real with me. Where, where's the change that needs to take place in my life? Second of all, ask God to start to change inside of you. As I said earlier in this message, he is the change agent. And ask him, God, okay, 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 okay. I know what you're telling me. I know that the change needs to take place. God, will you begin to do that work inside of me? Because I can't change myself. 
Will you change my heart? Will you change the way I'm thinking? I, I love David's prayer. God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit inside of me. God, you begin that change work inside of me. Number three, ask God for the action steps. Because God is like, okay, I'm going to start working in you. I'm going to start changing. But we need to do this together here. We're going to work together. So I'm going to give you some simple action steps. You know what usually those, they come in the form of habits. And there's usually some habits in our lives that we need to just stop doing. One of the greatest habits that I, I just stopped doing is watching the news in the morning. Oh, man, man is, that has caused a significant change in me because what I did is I started the habit of praying and getting in God's Word, starting off my morning like that. Wow, what a significant small habit has brought significant change in my life. And you know what? It was simple. Sometimes just the simplest, smallest changes make the biggest significance then the fourth thing I would tell you to do is a practical step. Step forward. Let me, let me encourage you to step forward with this passage here, 2 Timothy 1.7. I want to remind you that God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has given you all that you need. God has given you the self-discipline. We take those action steps. So can I, can I just have a couple minutes and just kind of share with you my life lesson in this story of, of this message, okay? In my early 30s, which was not that long ago, okay, I was, my lifestyle, I, I grew up in high school and I was doing a whole lot of weightlifting and a whole, I was a youth pastor and I was doing a whole lot of pizza eating and soda drinking and I was just... I wasn't paying attention to my health so much, and I was blossoming, <laughs> and I was expanding, <laughs> and I was growing, if you know what I mean. Well, went on a missions trip, and I, I was busy, 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 and I went on a missions trip, and man, we wore ourselves out. I just came at, back, and we were just ragged, and I was sitting in, in the Sunday morning service, and I swore I was having a heart attack. We had a, a good friend who was a doctor in the church, and he says, you need to go to the hospital. Got to the hospital and put all these wires and stuff on me. And well, I wasn't having a heart attack, but there was something going on there. Got tested and found out I had this mild heart condition, which is somewhat common. Maybe some of you have, have dealt with this, kind of a, a, a heartbeat issue called mitral valve prolapse. Okay. And it, it usually shows up when you're not taking care of yourself. That's when it shows up. You're stressing yourself out. You're wearing yourself out. And that's when I was experiencing it. So I needed to, number one, accept the reality that the way I was living was not healthy. That was the reality. That if I, the reality was if I just continued as I was doing, there's, there would be problems later. All right? Accept the reality. Second of all, I couldn't stay this way. I had to change. So I decided, number two, to own the challenge and commit to change. So one of our youth leaders had, had, had bragging, wearing this T-shirt and said, hey, I ran a 5K the other day. Like, what's a 5K? And he goes, it's a 3.1-mile run. Like, man, that's a long way. I bet you I could run a 3.1-mile run. So I just decided, like, two weeks later to go out and run a 5K that entered in this race. I about died. My heart was beating out of my chest, and that's just from walking. I, was, I mean, I, was, I could not believe. Like, man, crazy people run. That is... A, a, and then another youth leader came, and, I, and they got into a 5K, and I'm like, okay, maybe if I go out and prepare for this a little bit better. So I started to prepare, and I just did a couple, like, Five, I did a 5K like every other year or so. But then I had a youth leader come in one day, and she couldn't make it to youth group or something one night because she was out running a half marathon. 
I'm like, no way. If she could run a half marathon, I could run a half marathon. I don't know if I want to run a half marathon, but I bet you I could run a half marathon. So I did a, a little bit of training. I get a little bit more serious. I started to change, started to take steps of change. And lo and behold, I ran a half marathon. Kind of a funny story about the half marathon. I had a missionary friend. He found out I was running it. And like two weeks before, he's like, hey, do you mind if I join you? I'm like, well, you're not as in shape as I am. You're not preparing. You don't just jump into a half marathon. He says, no, I think I can handle it. All right. <laughs> We're halfway through the half marathon, and he looks at me. He says, hey, would you mind if I run ahead? <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs> we moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and two things hit me at, at the same time. We had a missionary at our church who talks about raising money for water wells in Africa, and it just hit my heart. Like, we got to do something. I don't know what to do. Saw a news commercial or something about, hey, the Green Bay Marathon. Oh, man, <laughs> I don't know if I could ever run a marathon. I mean, that, I could never do that, but it wouldn't leave me alone. Like, I got to do something about this. What if I was to run a marathon, which I don't think I can do, and what if we were to raise $26,000, 26.2 miles in a marathon, what if we raised $26,000 for water wells in Africa? So I decide to run a marathon and raise $26,000. So what I do is I, I commit myself. I own the challenge. I own the challenge. And I needed to take the steps. So I sought some advice, some counsel from people who have run marathons, and I got a running plan, and I started to run the plan. And I started to change my diet, and I started to try to have more balance. I, I was changing. I was way different than I was a few years ago. All of a sudden, I'm getting a little healthy. One day, I got up in my training run, and I ran 13 miles. I couldn't believe it. A few weeks later, I ran 15 miles. I never ran that far before. The next week, I ran 17 miles. And then one week, I couldn't believe it, I ran 20 miles straight in one of my training runs. I still didn't believe I could run 26.2 miles. And the, on race day, I showed up, and I ran my first marathon. I have a few pictures here. It's kind of what it looked like. So ironically, I don't know if it's ironically, I think the Lord brought this person in my life, my roommate from college. Lo and behold, he was a marathon runner, so he's the one who kind of trained me and brought it, brought it and, and taught me how to do it. And he, man, we ran that race together. That was the coolest moment. Thank you, God. So that's, that's why I was starting the race. Go ahead here. This is me about mile five. I'm looking pretty good, right? Looking pretty impressive here. Yeah, I was tearing it up mile five. Fast forward, this is like mile 25 and a half. And the only reason why it looks like I'm running in this picture is because I think I saw somebody taking my picture. <laughs> and I hurried and did a few steps. I was dying. But this next picture I'm very proud of. Crossed the finish line. I did it. I did it. All, be, all because I, I, I accepted the reality. I, I, I stepped up to the challenge. And I took the steps, and I was able to do something I wasn't able to do before. Now, here's, here's the hard part. The hard part is we weren't able to raise the $26,000. So the next year, guess what I had to do? My second marathon. And guess what? We still did not reach the $26,000 mile mark, or $20,000. So guess what I did the next year? Three marathons in a row. We raised over $32,000 for water wells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 don't, I, don't say that, I don't say that to brag on myself, but this was my reality. I had to accept the reality that what I was doing was not good. I needed to own the challenge, and I needed to get out and take the steps. And, and, and yeah, I think that's what, what maybe God is calling you to do, do today. Accept the reality. What does God want me to change? I need to own this challenge. I need to take responsibility, and I need to take the steps.
We're going to move into a time of communion, and hopefully you received a communion cup when you walked in this morning. We serve an open communion here. If you're here this morning and you did not receive a communion cup, please raise your hand. Our ushers will get one to you. We have a couple right over here. Thank you. You don't need to be a member of our church. My only encouragement is that you are at peace with God. Have you made peace with God today? Making peace with God brings true life change. By you calling out to God and say, God, I need you. Just go ahead and do that right now. That's you. Say, Lord, I need you in my life. I want you to become Lord and Savior of my life. I want you to change me from the inside out. Forgive me of my sins. I'm choosing today to make you Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you, before you leave, check out those people back at the guest center, the nicest people in the entire church. They have a book that's going to help you in your growth steps, the steps that you need to take from there. If we can hold the bread. This wafer represents the body of Christ. He accepted the reality of my sin on his back. And he physically went to the cross for my sins. And so we take communion to remember that act of love. Can we partake together? You'll open the cup. The cup represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out. (laughs) He took the steps for me. And it was through his blood that I have been made free. It's through the blood of Jesus that I'm no longer the person I used to be. I am made new in him. Amen. And so, Lord, we thank you for the cup and all that it represents, the blood of Jesus that sets people free. Thank you for your freedom today. Can we all partake together? Thank you, God. Can we just give God a shout out today? Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you and praise you. Yes. We thank you and praise you. Lord, bring life change all around this room. Begin to change us from the inside out. Reveal to us even those small changes that are hindering our forward growth. God, we want to live in the purpose and potential you have for each and every one of our lives. We, as are today, we are moving forward. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you so much for checking out the Dive Church Podcast. I hope you were inspired by the message today. If you liked what you heard, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast so we can impact more lives. Remember, wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcome, loved, and accepted. Have a wonderful day.